0: Hello and welcome, Almost 30 Podcast. Hey, everybody. Trying to mix it up. <laughs> I, what do I, I want to say? I say hello and, hello welcome, and welcome. Right? welcome, Hello and welcome to Almost 30 Podcast. Hello and welcome. <laughs> Greetings. <laughs> Greetings, Almost 30 Podcasters. <laughs> welcome, welcome. Welcome to January 2022. I hope you are having a beautiful year thus far. We are very grateful for you. We're very grateful for our community. We're very grateful for everyone that listens with Um, listens with us, that um, does anything related to Almost 30, we're grateful. Truly grateful. You say 2022, I'm like, oh my God. (laughs) We recorded- um, Literally six years. Hello. Our astrology episode. So there's an astrology episode talking about the astrology for 2022 with Ofi from the Astro Twins, who's the number one OG of astrology. And in the entire episode, I was like 2021. (laughs) I was basically saying 2021 the entire episode. (laughs) And And even it was messing her up. Huh? (laughs) <laughs> no, she's cool she's very cool sure. she's very um, very like lax like it was mm-hmm. like I love that yeah she was very I cool love it. It, it was such a good episode I know you guys have all loved it but yeah it's hard to say 2022
1: it feels good though I like that I, I just I like it I like it I, I do like too. the 20, 2022 but it's kind of crazy it's crazy to I think, know, from- think it, to think about just I, yeah I don't even know it's like being alive. Being alive.
0: <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> well, let's go there. Just... I think it's crazy that we're 22 years away from 2000. I know,
1: man. And 12 years after I graduated college? I know. Whoa. I literally, I was talking to Letitia, our friend the other day, and we were both like, we both felt the same around, we think we're 26 we Mm -hmm. still think we're like in our late 20s. It's like a weird, yeah, there's like a weird like, I don't know, I don't think it's attachment. It's just like, I do feel young, but I'm like, you're not anymore. Mm -hmm. You're
0: 34. (laughs) I remember my dad saying that. He's like, it's weird because I'm 55. He was like 55 at the time, but I feel like I'm 30. He's like, I don't feel different. Mm -hmm. And I get it now. Because it's like your body changes, but you don't feel like you've changed. Mentally, totally. Yeah, mentally. So yeah, welcome to a six year 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, it's great to have you. We're excited about camp. We're excited about membership. It's going to be really beautiful. Um, It's going to be so beautiful. So camp is our free online virtual wellness event that we host every six months. And we want to bring together just you all in a space that... Um, feels very open, feels very um, invigorating, feels very connected. And we bring some of our favorite healers, teachers, leaders to do special workshops that only happen on that day with you, the community for free. So this is a free event that we do. Um, Make sure to bring your friends and we will see you there. You can register at almost30.com slash camp.
1: Yeah. Can't wait to see you. And this is a kickoff for membership enrollment. So membership will be open right after camp. Um, We kick off membership for the next round in February. Uh, February, So super, super excited to welcome our new members. This has been a place where Krista and I have just poured so much of our time and energy and it's felt so good. Um, We have workshops every single month. This round, we are going to have a form of sound healing every single month. We have live hangs with Krista and I, which are always so much fun. Um, We have downloadables and extra episodes and meditations. This is really just a hub for you to feel like okay, I can come as I am and where I am and really learn and grow and um, really dig into your spiritual journey or self-development journey. And it's all intertwined as we know, but it's it's a special place. So I cannot wait to welcome you. Um, you can learn more when it's open at almost30.com slash membership.
0: Yes, we'll see you in their new members. So today's episode, I'm so excited about. I just got like a wave of excitement when we were talking about recording it. We're going to be talking about religion and spirituality, and this episode feels really personal to Lindsay and I because we are people that have gone on a journey with our spirituality through the past years. Very publicly on the show, um, you can you know track our evolution if you listen to the podcast. If you've been listening for years. Um, as it relates to spirituality and as it relates to religion. Um, I think this conversation is super relevant and topical. And for me, I really want to just set the record straight, I guess, about our religious or spiritual beliefs. Um, I want to get clear with everyone on what I feel and why I feel it and how I got to this place. And I know that we've been impactful for people on their journey with spirituality on their journey with God. And I think This will also open up the space for anyone that feels the charge around religion still, um, that feels like it's not for them, that feels like they're not included, that feels like um, it's something that makes them contract rather than expand. And um, it's such a big part of my life. You know, spirituality really is like the through line of, of almost everything that I do. And so when I feel passionately about something, when I feel very relevant, with something it's really fun to dig into conversations like this.
1: Yeah, there was a time in which I thought that spirituality was separate from God. Like I remember like thinking and feeling when I said I'm spiritual that like oh people probably think that I don't believe in God and I think that's a thing. You know, I think that there is um you know, words have such charge and words are so layered for people depending on their own experiences and so um yeah, it's been it's been a really interesting process, and you know, looking back, and we'll we'll kind of go into the story, but it was it's it's really perfect. You know, it's perfect to look back and be like, wow, the moments that I was in church, feeling like, what the fuck is going on, mm-hmm. <laughs> are, are are perfect moments to kind of like stoke that that inquiry. You know, like to stoke that like curiosity and seeking of like, huh, this just doesn't feel like it's it. And I think that's what spirituality really is—is is that seeking. So, um, I'm grateful for, you know, <laughs> the moments in confession where I'm like, I don't know why the fuck I'm here. <laughs> Dude, oh
0: so 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 wrong. For me, it's hard to define. Spirituality. And I think that's part of it. I think that's normal. I think everyone's idea of spirituality is different. Everyone's idea of God is different. Um, and so my God, the God that I work with, the God that I, you know, feel so connected and close to wasn't necessarily the same God that I felt in church. So my definition and my understanding of God, I've sort of come back to, I've sort of Re-understood and had to reintroduce myself to as the God that I now am am so deeply close to, and that wasn't the same God with religion. Um, for me, religion is the dogma; it's the um, it's the ritual; it is the God outside yourself rather than God in yourself, and it is the separation from yourself rather than the the closeness with yourself and the closeness with what you believe to be. Um, what you believe to be spirit. And my journey with religion, so I grew up in a small town in Ohio and it was very Catholic. It was so, so, so Catholic. There was tons of Catholic schools that most people went to. They were private. I did, I ended up going to a public school, but we still went to church every Sunday. I did CCD. I was confirmed. I was all these different rituals that now are very creepy to me um, as far as it relates to in the Catholic church. And I will never forget going into confession and going into that little box with a stranger and telling a stranger that I had stole from my sister, that I had lied to my mom, that I had, you know, done all these things. And then walking out after feeling all of that shame and judgment and confusion with telling someone I didn't know that I had done all these things that were, you know, considered to be wrong. Then I had to say these prayers next to other people and kids that had also just done the same thing and then compare the amount of prayers that I had to say for my forgiveness to God with the other kids that were sitting next to me that were also themselves doing their, you know, confession or their, um, uh, what is it called? Retribution or like? Um, attrition? Is, is it called attrition? It might mm. be actually called attrition. But yeah, I was just sitting next to these kids. I was like, this doesn't feel right that we're all now comparing. So there's the shame component. There's like the, um, the acknowledging this person, like this pastor, this priest, who actually is a stranger to me. I don't know them at all as someone that will judge me and determine my fate. And then also having the shame part of comparing how much prayer I'm doing or how much of the Hail Marys I'm doing compared to other people based on the bad things that I had done in my life. So it was all very weird to me. And I just remember it was like a big point of contention within my family because we all really hated going to church. And my mom had that Catholic guilt. I think it's like a very Midwest thing, but she had a Catholic guilt. Um, And so she was always forcing us to go, even though none of us went to go. So it was always this like point of weird contention in my family throughout my life. And I think I had to be... and. At a moment of like pure rebellion in college, where I was like, you know, no more. I will no longer be a part of the church. And at that point, I sort of lost, you know, my connection to um, faith, even though I had it in very small ways. It never left me, but there never was like a strong feeling after I lost the church because I felt like the way through to God was through the church.
1: Hmm. We'll be back in just a moment. But first, we want to share a little bit about the sponsors who support this episode. If I could be in love with a brand, I would be in love with this brand. Okay. Athletic Greens. Krista and I have been taking them for years. Today's program is brought to you by Athletic Greens, the health and wellness company that makes comprehensive daily nutrition really, really simple. AG1 by Athletic Greens is my absolute favorite. This is the category leading superfood product and it brings comprehensive and convenient daily nutrition to everybody. So, okay. This formula is unbelievable. It has 75 vitamins and minerals and whole food sourced ingredients, including a multivitamin, multimineral, probiotic, uh, green superfood blend, and more in one convenient daily serving. I love it. I just mix it with cold water, blend it, you know, shake it up real good, and it's delicious you don't expect it to be delicious because it's green oh yeah it's delicious this special blend of high quality bioavailable ingredients is just one scoop one scoop that works together to fill the nutritional gaps in your diet support energy and focus aid with gut health and digestion and support a healthy immune system and it's effectively replacing multiple products or pills with one healthy delicious Drink. I cannot say it enough. I am obsessed with Athletic Greens and I've recommended it to everyone I know. Okay, I'm excited because Athletic Greens is going to give you an immune supporting free one year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase if you visit athleticgreens.com slash almost 30 today. Again, simply visit athleticgreens.com slash almost 30 to take control of your health and give AG1 a try. Again, you are going to get a year supply, free year supply of vitamin D. And five free travel packs, which I put in every bag I own when I travel. It is so convenient. I'm so excited for you. athleticgreens.com slash almost 30. Yeah, I grew up in a, a small town in Pennsylvania. I did not grow up going to CCD or anything like that. Um my, up until about seventh grade, my mom was like very much um, just seeking like a place where we, she could bring her kids. My dad really didn't go to church for his own reasons, but wanted to like bring the kids to a place that she felt like, oh, this is a community. This feels good. And we would kind of bop around um, to different like Presbyterian or Episcopalian churches. And to be honest, like I didn't hate the energy there because um, I mean, like priests were married. Like it was like very like mm-hmm. family feeling like where mm-hmm. it, it wasn't this like formality of like you go into the church and you're like, whoa. And then you like have to sit and go to confession and all these things. It was super lax. And I just didn't love going to church and I didn't really understand the why behind me were going to church. And I think that's like kind of an important piece that maybe parents overlook, you know, when they tell their kids, hey, we're going to go to church. And yes. um, I think, you know, explaining to a kid a why is really important so they can kind of start to integrate like, oh, this is important because fill in the blank. So... Um, then my parents wanted to socialize the idea of me going to a Catholic school. My dad had grown up in Catholic education, and um, this particular Catholic school had like a really good theater program. I went to this school. Um, I was the energy was different. That's for damn sure. Um, I walked in it. It looked like a prison. And I was like, oh God, I don't know if I could do this. I really don't know if I can do this. Um, I'm so affected by like the Dude. aesthetics of my environment. And I'm- re- Everyone
0: is in there. They think it's it's subconscious. If you say you are not, it is subconsciously affecting you. Yes, yes.
1: So it was just like super gray brick. It was just like, oh, it, it, it was hard. But you know, looking back, there was a lot of good things there. Um but this is where I we had to convert to Catholicism in order to go to the school. And I was always really confused by that. I was like, so I can't just show up here and just like go to this school. I have to convert. And so I went through the whole hella and like did, uh, I think it was, I think I was confirmed and did something else, Ugh. something like that. I forget. And... We had to have like meetings with sister. I I won't say her name, but sister. (laughs) And she would come over to our house and we have dinner. Um, And it was just like this whole very interesting experience. I remember just being like, whoa, like this is my life now. Like it was just very weird and out of body, I just never felt connected to it. But I, I connect with people, and and some of these people were just really beautiful, amazing people, um, like the sisters at our school. But I was confused. I'm like, why, why, why are you 32 and and you live in a convent and litter? You know, I was just very confused as to what, why they had to be like kind of separated from society in a way. Yes. it just made me sad and this is just yeah. me me kind of placing my own projections on this so if you yeah you know this it's just not for everyone mm-hmm. and um so yeah i m- throughout my time there like f- six years um it was just this i was just kind of like skating by i never knew all of the prayers fully like i just i never connected to it and it was a weird thing because I did feel a little bit of, um, well, she knows all of these prayers or she knows they celebrate this at their house. Like there was kind of this hierarchical thing of like, I was comparing myself to other people based on like how religious or how Catholic or how good a Catholic (laughs) I was or other people was. So that's, that's a weird thing that I definitely think is like institutionalized. Like you are a good Catholic. You are a good, you know, fill in the blank. And it's like, yeah, like to God, it's like, it's not I mean, it's not that, so um, I always thought that was super interesting, but then, you know, going to college, I went to a jesuit- jesuit college, and I just, yeah, I wasn't practicing, I didn't go to church, um and I just kind of i didn't like go, I didn't swing far the other way, but i I literally had no connection to Catholicism at all, and you know i wonder kind of what's what's for me and i didn't necessarily seek it out but i do think that like our life experiences really kind of naturally redirect us on a path of spirituality and once we become conscious to the fact that like this all is a part of our spiritual path then we're able to like really have a lot of fun you know whether it's like through our relationships through opportunities and experiences, just understanding kind of like, ah, this is a lesson for me to learn this about myself and realize the God in me. And it's, so that to me has become just much more fruitful and fulfilling as a spiritual person um, rather than, okay, did I say my Hail Marys or did I go to church or did I do the things that the church is telling me to do that really never resonated? Um, And then just kind of coming back to like my relationship with God through... I don't think it was solely through my relationship with Sean, but that was definitely a catalyst because it made me comfortable to talk about it. So he's really comfortable talking about it, and so to have conversations and love this person and just feel like we can have, we can have this relationship with God individually and then together was all a thing I never thought would happen because like my parents didn't have that, so I was like, "That's possible? Like, what is what is this?" So, you know, it's, it's definitely journey. And then we had our own journeys within, you know, our relationship with our coach and just kind of, yeah, what we're doing with Almost 30, I think, you know, God was like directing us the whole time or, you know, Mm -hmm. just kind of guiding us the whole time. And it's become so much more obvious. Yeah. We hope you're enjoying this conversation. We're going to take a few moments to share brands with you that we love and who support this show. I did something the other day that I've never done before. I brought a four pack of wine to a dinner party and it was a huge hit. Okay. So a four pack of wine from Bev is equal to a bottle and a quarter. It's Awesome. Y'all, you're going to fall in love with their six varietals. They have Rosé, Sauvignon Blanc, Pinot Gris, Pinot Noir, and their recently launched Sparkling Rosé. All of them have a little fizz. It's super refreshing, delicious. Their wines are so good. They're all zero sugar and only three carbs and 100 calories per serving. The cans are so cute, but each can is a glass and a half of wine. So it's perfect for when you don't want to open a bottle of wine and Just have one for yourself. It's awesome. Uh, Also, they have 24 packs equal to eight bottles of wine. Such a great gift. And I love this company, not only because the product is good. The products are good, good, good. But also it's female founded. We love Leeks, who founded Bev and their whole entire team And they're just all over the country now. I'm so excited for you to try this incredible brand. We've worked out a special deal, of course. You can receive 20% off your first purchase, plus free shipping on all orders. I suggest trying their best-selling Ladies Night Variety Pack. So you can check out all the little, you know, delicious varietals that they have. Go to drinkbev.com slash almost30 or use the code almost30 at checkout to claim this deal. That's drinkbev, D-R-I-N-K-B dot slash almost30 or use the code almost30 at checkout to get 20% off your first purchase. Major discount alert, plus free shipping on all orders. Bev can also be found at retailers nationwide, including Target, Total Wine, BevMo, and more. So I took a little trip over New Year's and I was sure to pack a snack that I loved when I was traveling on the plane because y'all know I... We can't eat plain food. It's it's not really good for us especially while while we're in the air our bodies are you know not down to digest crappy stuff. So, I packed my Elevy collagen protein bites. They are so delicious, which is hard to do, I'll get to that in a minute, but they're gluten-free, dairy-free, no refined sugars, no sugar alcohols, no GMOs. There's 8 grams of protein in there. Multifunctional benefits and did I say collagen? You heard that, right? Sustainably sourced collagen, plant-based protein in there. It, I cannot tell you how delicious they are and this is really, really hard to do. It's hard to do it in a healthy bar. I've had so many bars in my life. I have tried bars that taste really good and then I see that they have sugar alcohols and then I'm bloated and I don't feel good. So I'm really excited for you because Elevi is gonna change the way you do bars. Um, their flavors, blueberry vanilla crisp, chocolate chip cookie dough, that's my favorite, and chocolate goji berry. Each bite is delicious. I promise you, you're gonna love it. It's not too big, not too small, you're going to love it. They worked with food scientists, Michelin-trained chefs, and nutritionists to reinvent the bloat-inducing, chalky-tasting protein bar. This is functional. This is delicious. And we have 15% off for you when you use the code ALMOST30 when you go to elavi.co. E-L-A-V-I.co. Use code ALMOST30 for 15% off, plus free shipping on two pouches or more.
0: It's great for in a relationship to have like an organizing factor. And I think that's one of the things that, um, you know, the work of Jordan Peterson, when he talks a lot about when we're removing religion from a society oftentimes we're left with a search for an organizing principle because we've had religion as an organizing principle within society for so long, You know, for better or for worse, not saying that it's better or worse. But when you remove that, humans naturally gravitate towards an organizing principle. And now that's turned to um, politics or now that's turned to culture or all these different things. But within a relationship, it's also really important too, to have that organizing principle of like, okay, what are our priorities? First, God, second, our relationship, third, our mm-hmm. children, you know, whatever, however you want to structure it. Yes. But it really does bring together, like, and just, it really does bring you together in a very unique way where you also remember, you know, purpose. But I think one of the important things that you were mentioning and I was mentioning as well is, you know, religion is all about organization and for kids. And this is where the the child, the kid part really Shines a light on this. It's all about the organization. It's all about the rules. It's all about, um, you know, the rules dictating the behaviors of people. In your case, it's having the sister not be married. It's having her be um, ostracized or separated from society. There's a bunch of moral rules and laws and doctrines and codes and criteria that as a child doesn't really make sense to you. You know, you don't really understand the point of all these different rituals that you're really participating in and you don't understand the rules and dogma and where they come from and really why you're doing them. So this sort of rule and dogma and moral codes and rituals really help give religious societies and cultures and people this sense of certainty. So the sense of certainty helps them you know, to give them faith. And really, it's interesting from like a study perspective for humans. It's like, how does the ritual and the these uh, continued moral practices give them certainty and faith? And how within spirituality can you have faith from inside? You know, that's what spirituality is for me. It's like that faith where you don't need to see a ritual performed or see any of these codes or people, or you don't need to meet with this person, you don't need to do this thing to have faith that you know that you are God and God is a part of you. So it's really the the lack of external rules. And it's really the, you know, going on your own and having that internal dialogue that is um, that is so special. But after, you know, both of us growing up in that in that way, and then sort of losing it for a little bit, And I don't even, I don't know if ever at a point I ever called myself an atheist. Maybe it'd be cool. I maybe did. But um, I really came back to more so spirituality first and then God later. It was like, I would call it the universe. I would call it, um, yeah, I would say the universe. I'd be like, oh, you know, the universe, da-da-da-da. And I would kind of call it all of these things. And then it's only been in the past couple of years where it's more so been that relationship with God and just even studying more so how ritual um, as a part of religion almost felt very off to me where deeper into my spiritual path, whether it's with law of one or whether with, with its different reading and teachings, understanding how inverted our universes and inverted everything really is where our, as an example, our hospitals, our medical system often makes people the most sick. Oftentimes our schools make people teach people less than what they would have learned naturally. We have our churches make people believe less in God than they actually believe people more in God. They make them more in fear rather than less in fear. And so within the Catholic church, that was something that I really realized over time where I was like, these rituals seem off. Mm -hmm. Like what is happening seems really off where, and this is again, my perspective. I think if you feel really religious and connected to your religion, that's very beautiful. Um, when you come to listen to a podcast, you come to listen to different views and perspectives. And that's exactly you know what I'm sharing. But I always thought it was so weird that there was such an obsession with Jesus dead on the cross rather than like the living teaching teachings of Jesus. And how there was like, it was just the reminder that either you have to live this way because he died for your sins. The martyrdom obsession was, was very prevalent for me. The fact that, each day or each session in church, the same teachings were being taught everywhere that no sessions were like teachings were really changed or evolved or grew over time. And the eating the body and blood of Christ, I never felt like was very natural or normal. It didn't make sense to me that if Jesus died on the cross for us, we would then eat him. (laughs) We would then eat his body and drink his blood. I don't, understand that i don't felt i never felt like it was natural and normal and again having men be the only people in charge men be the only people in command in this very very hierarchical structure um felt off the fact that they weren't allowed to marry they weren't allowed to be in relationship with a man or a woman whoever they wanted to be in relationship felt very off that we were taking some teachings from the Bible and applying them very literally, but taking others and applying them not so literally, that felt very off for me. And then really the the icing on the cake was when I read Law of One, and in the Law of One, it talks about um, free will as like one of the most organizing principles of our universe. So free will is the most important law within our universe that allows us to choose, because we are the creator, how we want to exist and live in our universe, in our world, in relation to others. If we are all the creator experiencing ourselves, then the experience of the creator can be chosen by us at any time. And in The Love One, it talks about um, the Bible. And it talks about the Bible being this, this book that was a very high positive polarity from Jesus, from Yahweh. And it was evolved over time to be more and more distorted by the different um, editions, by the different Um, people adding and removing things by the different interpretations. And one of those distortions was thou shall not. And thou shall not was in the 10 commandments. Thou shall not covet the other person's wife. Thou shall not steal, thou shall not kill. And from a high level perspective, we look at those things and we think, yeah, you shouldn't kill or you shouldn't steal or you shouldn't do those things. But really within the laws of the universe, if we are all to have free will, if someone so chooses it, then that is part of their experience. And we cannot, you know, We cannot take away from someone else's experience in their life by telling them what to do in any way. So thou shall not was one of the ideas to me where I was like, oh, that makes perfect sense, where we are doing things in life where we think that we're doing them for the greater good. And I think this happens all the time. Because no one is the the villain of their own story, and this was enough. This was part of it. Or was like, oh, that didn't make sense to me, and that makes sense that that would violate free will. Mm. And people are doing it for the belief that it is good. So when we look at the rituals and practices of religion and of specifically the Catholic religion, the, Ca- the Catholic religion, it can be a little a little off when you're thinking about it logically. And I think with everything in life, coming to it with fresh eyes and coming to it with a fresh perspective and always being like, how does this feel to me? Does this feel off? Does this feel natural? Does this feel normal? And that can be your guide. And if it does feel natural, normal, and good, and you feel great whenever you go to church, then that's amazing. But for me, it was like the feeling in my body.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we're not taught necessarily to trust that feeling in our body at all.
0: I mean, think about that. You know, that's an interesting point. Like, that's very interesting because if at a young age, you're feeling, I'm not feeling comfortable in my body and thinking about, you know, I'm just going to drop the nugget of all of the sexual abuse cases within the Catholic church with men or, you know, boys and girls all over the world, how uncomfortable they probably felt in their body going to church in the first place. And then they're told, you know, this is good, this is good, this is good. And then these things are happening to them on a smaller scale with us, where you're like, this doesn't feel good, but you're being told repeatedly that it is good and that you must go. And how much of a discrepancy that must be to be a child or be someone feeling something in your body and then be continued to have to deny that feeling in your body Mm -hmm. and go to a place where you know it's not right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, I mean, that, that just teaches you so many things that teaches you not to trust yourself that teaches you to completely shut off your intuition it teaches you to probably like numb out and escape escapism through whether it's like the mind or actual escapism with you know abusing things or it, like it it could go that far because our bodies are always speaking to us. So if we do ignore, it will come out in another way. So yeah, um, tangent but not on, this is kind of more extreme example. I think Catholicism is more relatable and more mainstream, but I was watching um, a Scientology documentary last night. And I mean, that is the extreme example of, mm-hmm. from my perspective, The like preying on and manipulation of people using quote religion. And, um, you know, I won't go into the whole beliefs of Scientology, but it is so super out there and bizarre. And the, um, not only the practices, but the way in which people are taught to treat one another is quite alarming. And, you know, I have to, and this woman that was at the center of the documentary had literally been born into it. And I just thought about that. I'm like, if you are born into this, this is all you know. So, of course, you know, it's like I'm born into a certain way of life. You're born into a certain way of life. And that is what we know. And so I, I can imagine just like this one adherence, this feeling of home here, this feeling of this is just how life is because they shield you from kind of like the, quote, real world in a way. And... um Yeah. It was just really shocking.
0: I was in, um, my friend in high school moved to California. And I remember one time we were walking around in California somewhere. It was like in her like town. And we went to a Scientology center. They're called like a D. It starts with a D. Forget what the sign, but these people were outside of this place. And they're like, do you want to come in and learn about Scientology? We were like, sure. And we went in and we like did the dialysis? I don't. Know. It's oh, not dialysis, di- but there's di- yeah, diet. Yeah, uh, dietetics. Oh, we learned about yeah, dietetics. Yeah. We like watched a video. We were like totally just like kind of learning about Scientology, and now I laugh. I'm like, God, that is so funny because continued our on one way, and it could have been you know full on Scientologist, Completely. but yeah, and you don't think about you know the way in which that would affect you being born into something like that, and how you know religion, Scientology catholicism whatever it has this deep undercurrent of fear you know in all of its teachings where there's concepts of original sin or divine judgment or god's wrath or punishment in the afterlife or whatever these things are but the environment that it creates of burden and worry over your worthiness constantly or over your your comparison to others or the retribution or karmic punishment that you're going to have the mental effects that it has on you can be so grave and can be so deep and we did a um an event on religion and spirituality uh recently it was a month or so ago and it was really profound because we were talking a lot about that and the mental effects it can have on you um when we're thinking about something like scientology or catholicism spirituality really you know discards the fear and worry in favor of hopefully a more loving and accepting, compassionate approach to life, and even death. You know, when we're looking at the work of Ram Das, we can really see that death is like taking off a tight shoe where your eternal soul is really allowed to go back to the beautiful eternal source where it came from. So it's interesting how spirituality really takes like a less hardened, less um, attached, less intense, less fearful approach. And spirituality is more the love route. Mm-hmm.
1: We'll be back in just a moment. But first, we want to share a little bit about the sponsors who support this episode. Allow me to recommend one of my favorite apps, Open. Open is a mindfulness studio offering experiences that combine breathwork, meditation, yoga, Pilates, and more to support transformation and personal development. I love Open because the experience on this app is just so seamless. They blend music, sound, breath, movement, visuals to really bring you into the present moment and bring you into this experience. It's really an experience on this app. You can open the app and practice live Or on demand with their library of meditation, breathwork, yoga, and Pilates classes. Um, And it's just really, really beautiful. I also love it because they have a community. So when you're on the app and you're in the classes, you can talk to the teachers and other community members during the live classes via the chat box and really build genuine connections with practitioners from all over the world. And their teachers are so good. They are leaders in mindfulness and meditation. And again, their modalities that they focus on are breath, Meditation and movement. Um, so they are designed to really support your mind body connection and bring you to a state of true presence. And lastly, I gotta say, their music rocks so good. I think it's so important to really create the experience that I'm personally looking for. They partner with musicians, record labels, producers, sound designers, and DJs to co-create classes and enhance the mindfulness experience. And whether you're looking for something for five minutes or 45 minutes, they have something for you, uh, We love Manoj, okay. Uh, Manoj is incredible. Yeah, he's actually gonna be at Cambo, almost 30. Um, I swear, I finish Manoj's meditations and feel like a whole new person. The sound of his voice and his guiding words just, I don't know. My, my overthinking is just kind of disintegrated um, and I'm just like soft on the other side of it. It's really beautiful. Okay, the platform is brilliant. You're gonna love it. I'm so excited because Open has kindly offered to give each of you 30 days of access for free when you use the code almost30, totally free. Open up your phone right now and visit open-together.com slash almost30. That's open-together.com slash almost30 to sign up or click the link in the show notes. Again, use the code almost30 for 30 days, totally free. Okay, let's be real. I think we can all probably up our fruit and veggie game. Come on, I know it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to get in your daily amount of fruits and veggies. This year, I really want to change that. I know how I feel when I get the right amount of fruits and veggies in my meals. I feel amazing. I feel like my digestion, my energy is better, like everything. That's why I'm keeping my freezer stocked with Daily Harvest. You know, I am a huge Daily Harvest fan, have been four years. If you come over to my house right now, you open up my freezer, it's stocked. This is the easiest way to get more fruits and veggies into my day every single day. They have my back always with delicious food. It has to be delicious. It has to be delicious for me. It's really good for me and good for the planet. So Daily Harvest, if you don't know, delivers delicious harvest bowls, flatbreads, smoothies, and more, all built on organic fruits and vegetables right to your door. And it is so convenient because it stays in your freezer. And literally when you drop it in your blender or put it in the pan and it's ready in no time at all. It is so fresh because they freeze everything at peak freshness. Okay. Some of my favorite daily harvest menu items. Okay. A new one of mine is the tomato and zucchini minestrone soup. I'm a soup girl now. Um, And I just tried their tomatillo and pepper flatbread. Oh, y'all flatbreads in general, just blow me away. I have one almost every day for lunch. I also love the harvest bowls. The broccoli and cheese is delicious. The cauliflower pesto are just some of my faves. Literally takes minutes to prepare and they never use preservatives, added sugar or artificial anything. And that goes for everything, I swear to you. I'm really excited because Daily Harvest, Daily Harvest, who make it easy to feel good about what I'm doing for myself, what you're doing for yourself and the planet. uh, They are offering $40 off your first box. So go to dailyharvest.com slash almost 30 to get up to $40 off your first box. That's dailyharvest.com slash almost 30 for up to $40 off your first box. That's incredible. dailyharvest.com slash almost 30. Enjoy. when I picture, and this is very specific to my experience. So, you know, everyone has their own experience, but like, I do feel like in a Catholic church, I'm waiting for the answer to make me feel better, fill in the blank, better, more peaceful. um, Tell me that it's all going to be okay. And it's like this very um, intense, uh, disjointed energy. And I think with what I've understood about like my own spiritual path, it's like having the ability and having the inner understanding and peace to know that like there will always be, because we are human beings on earth, mm-hmm. there will always be disturbances. There will always be things that are pulling our attention and our energies. And how can we, I guess, like very generally hold our center, but know that we are not that thing. Know that like we are, you know, as Gary Zukav says, and even in The Untethered Soul as well, it's like really in the seat of the soul. We are not the object of consciousness. Like we are consciousness. So it's like for me that that has energetically felt different when I think of people like waiting for the answer from the priest or from the guru or from whatever. It's like, it is that energy of like, tell me, tell me the answer because I'm seeking and I need to know the answer. And with spirituality, it's like, I don't know. I The, the thing is like always, I don't know. You know, it's like mm-hmm. always seeking. And it's, you know, I think in religion, we've seen people not know and then make up an answer. And then that becomes the thing that they abide by or, you know, believe is truth. And I think with spirituality, there are so many things that are like not known. And it's like, it is up to the individual seeker to kind of navigate that. And again, it's it's more inward than outward seeking the answer. But yeah, it's... um. It's complex. It can also be incredibly simple. (laughs) It's like it's like both.
0: It's so true. It's
1: both. Like, you know, I feel like the most mundane moments in my day can be incredibly spiritual. And I think that surprises me every single day. And, you know, I have this thing where and I'm just like working on that comparison thing, as we all are, I think, um, to some extent, where I'm like, I'm not as spiritual as this person. I'm not doing this, like da-da-da. I don't know how to do that. It's like, oh no. Like talking to my neighbor. Who I've had a little thing with over the past few weeks and like having a conversation and navigating that, like that could be spiritual, or looking at the plant that I'm feeding every single day and watching like a new freaking leaf come up. It's you know, it's like all these really mundane things. That is it.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yes, I completely agree. And the spirituality as our own definition, you know, that's what's hard, is it's people are kind of looking for the form to the formless within spirituality and when we started to talk more about God as like the figurehead of our spirituality, I think it was probably interesting for a lot of our audience because they were probably like, ooh, because I think for us, even when I started to socialize, even using the word God over universe, it was like, it has such a charge to it that it can be a little off-putting for people where they immediately think rightfully so from like a cellular level, like what are you going to tell me, or they have that feeling of like, oh my God, the God that I know, the God that I grew up with, the God that I have been told is judgmental. The God that I know um, is um, exclusive with people. The God that I know only loves people that do these things. you know. And so the reclamation of that word is powerful and is important. And it also, if it doesn't fit for you, it doesn't fit for you. Um I think I've said this before but in the Hermetica which is one of my favorite books they um which is a hermetic text that's distilled down to like some of the most important pieces but in the Hermetica they use the word Atum for God A T U M and they use Atum because God has been so charged over time and God has been so projected upon over time so they actually use a different word and so for such an old historic text as that to use a different word instead of God it really reminded me how incredibly layered the word God is for so many people. So if that word doesn't fit for you, if spirit works, if goddess works, then that's great. Mm-hmm. I mean, the God that I know doesn't care what word you use, but I do feel like from the lineage that I come from my you know history, the word God and the reclamation of that feels really, really good. And as far as spirituality, I think too, we compare ourselves a lot when we're like, oh, okay, they have spirit guides they talk to, they have angels they work with, they do... Akashic records, they, you know, do all these different things and we have all these tools and resources that people leverage and use to find access to God. But again, those at times can be really just big distractions and, you know, the experience of divinity and the experience of spirit and the experience that you're having within spirituality is so unique to you and so special and it is so grand and powerful and then it's also so small. And, I've had the most spiritual moments in the most unexpected moments. You know, when we were at onsite in um we did this uh retreat. It was like a a workshop, therapy retreat. And we were in Nashville and I remember I had a visit from either a Palladian or Angel Michael or Jesus or Mother Mary. There was something but I had a moment of feeling more love seeing tons of blue light and feeling this connection to something that i felt more love than i ever felt in my life and i remember feeling i'm actually so happy but i'm also so sad because i'll never feel that sort of love again in this human body or this human experience because it was such a such a beautiful unconditional love that just was like so enveloping to everything that i that i was and I never expected anything like that. I never expected to have a feeling like that or an experience like that. And so it can only be experienced by people in whatever moments they're having and whatever journey they're on. But I think one of the most important pieces is the continual seeking. The continual seeking of yourself as God, the continual seeking of others as God, the continual seeking of this experience as an experience by God for you to align to your highest path, to align to your closest ascension, to get closer to yourself and to know yourself as God. Mm Mm-hmm. And just know
1: that wherever you are right now is absolutely perfect. And, you know, if you are a member of a church, if you are a part of a certain religion, if you are an atheist, if you are curious about your spiritual path, like truly it is all (laughs) quite perfect. And I think when our self-inflicted judgment comes in, that's kind of the separation energy that really doesn't want you to be connected to yourself and to a greater power. And so just notice that it's not about, you know, shaming yourself for it, but just noticing that because that's not you, you know, that's not you at all. And, um, Yeah, I think, you know, this conversation was very specifically Krista and my my own experience. And so if this is not yours, if it's similar, um, if some things felt uh, a little bit like, ooh, you know, like kind of triggering in a way, um, just know that like, where you are is perfect and we really honor where you are and I think anything that we said that feels charged is is from our own experience and I think the more that we can share and kind of recognize our own experiences within these realms of religion and spirituality as like ooh yeah that didn't feel good when that happened or yeah I felt that in my body and it didn't feel right but I was just kind of going along with it is is actually really good you know and um I encourage you, whether it's through journaling or conversations with people that you can trust, or um, even just you know listening to podcasts like this or others. It's it's always good. It's it's for a purpose to kind of stoke something, whether it's a memory or just a thought or a feeling, and um, trusting that it's coming up for a reason.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a bunch of resources to explore this topic. Sam Harris has a really book. Um, A really good book called Waking Up, um, A Guide to Spirituality Without Religion. He's actually an atheist, but I think it's interesting to explore the concepts that he has within it. Um, Jordan Peterson also explores religion and God a lot in his biblical series. He has a debate, which he debates Sam Harris, who is an atheist. Um, So you can explore those. Those have been really helpful for me in understanding religion. Um, And then um, our coach, Aaron Rose, has been really helpful on talking about God and on really bringing us back to the understanding and concept of God as uh, we want to have it in our lives and the way that we want to approach approach it in our lives as well. And then Love One, of course, is my favorite uh, book. And that's been really profoundly helpful for me in recontextualizing the creator and an understanding of the creator as ourselves, as a part of our um, experience.
1: Yeah. Also, um, The un- Untethered Soul is a classic. Um, I think just conceptually understanding, um, you as a soul, having a soul, having, um, a separation between the object of the consciousness and you as consciousness is so profound. It's such a good one. And, um, I love conversations with God. It's just like a really yeah, that's lovely a great one. read. There's like six books. I think I'm on three. Three is very, very long. Um, but, um, Ne- Eckhart Tolle is ne- really good. Yeah, I was just gonna say that Neil Donald Donald Walsh Walsh. Um, it's it's conversations in a way that you you as a human being would like literally ask God these questions, and it it kind of pulls out this idea that oh God is the great and almighty. Like obviously God is the creator, but like it is this like oh. God's funny and God, like, God mm-hmm. creates everything. God is everything. God is literally every single thing. So it's just a really fun to read. Yes. Eckhart Tolle as well. Um, I think we have, I believe we have on our website um, a bunch of recommended books from us on our partner's page. I often find that more spiritual texts will kind of find you. So mm-hmm. be open to it. Yep.
0: Yeah. Yep, 100%. Be here now, Ram Das, Freedom for the Known, Eckhart Tolle are also really powerful too. So, and just know that within the Almost 30 community, we're all really open to these sort of conversations, you know, whether you're in the membership or whether it's on Instagram or whether it's on YouTube. Um, we love to explore these topics in a really non judgmental, open, and honest way. Um, and we really appreciate, you know, you all going on the journey with us. I know it's been really. Interesting to be on this ride where we're sort of coming out in these conversations about spirituality that can be really triggering and can be really, um, really layered. And just sort of exploring these topics and how we feel with you feels really important and really necessary. And I think when we are coming back to religion or spirituality or all of these different things, it's really um, good that we can be in conversation in community together so that we can redefine what God and spirituality is for us so that we can feel happier and more whole and more like ourselves and more at peace. So we really, really appreciate it very, very much.
1: Yes. Thank you all so much for listening. We have a bunch of other solo episodes with Krista and myself as well as individual solo episodes. So please check those out as well as our interviews and we appreciate you. We're excited to welcome you into the membership soon. Uh, Camp Almost 30 is happening to kick it all off this Saturday, January 22nd. It's all day. You can still sign up, reserve your spot. It's completely free, but you do have to reserve your spot. So make sure to do that at almost30.com slash camp. And then afterwards we open up membership. So that's almost30.com slash membership. We cannot wait to welcome our new members. We only open it up twice a year. So if you've been kind of feeling the pull, just take this as your sign. It's an incredible, beautiful place to just be yourself and uh, do the work. And we would love to thank our sponsors for this episode. We work with brands that we really love to support. We use ourselves, we vet them, we consider ourselves like, very, very uh, strict on vetting brands. And um, it's always so cool to hear from you all when you try an almost 30 approved brands. So thank you so much to Bev, Elevy, Open, Daily Harvest, and Athletic Greens. You can find all discount information in our show notes as well as on almost30.com slash partners. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you. We'll see you soon. Bye.